God said, let there be light. And there was light. Strong words resonate. Echo of the waves appear in the sky. Their light reflected in your eyes. The sound of your voice, compassionate embrace. Words never fade away. They echo on for eternity. Let your echo ring. The glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Be aware of his presence. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Echo from heaven, echo from heaven to earth. Echo earth to heaven. Amen. Isn't that an awesome video? You know, I just love uh, the teams that we have here, and uh, it was good to have Simon back on the cello, our Austrian. Simon has been busy, so busy traveling uh, all over the world. In fact, just got back from Austria and visiting his family, and, and he's been a part of what we've done here since the beginning. So uh, his kind of musical career has kind of taken a lot of touring on, and so whenever he's here, we just want to say thank you for being back, and uh, great to have Stephen back. Amen. You know, um, there is a motorcycle for sale. Um, he is done with the motorcycle, and uh, so I just want to go on record and announce that, and you can reinforce that whenever you see him. His mother actually handed me the key and said, go sell it, all right? But, um, hey, I heard about an a 85-year-old woman who went on a blind date. Happens. And uh, anyway, she went on this blind date with a 95-year-old man. And so uh, she got back from the date, and her daughter said, you know, how did it go, Mom? And she said, I had to slap him three times. She said, did he get fresh? No, I thought he was dead. <laughs> we don't want you dead today, amen. We want you alive in God, amen. You know, if, uh, you know there's something exciting about being excited. You know, I was, uh, I, I was just walking at, uh, uh, what's that place, Disneyland? We went to Disneyland. Took, yeah, we went to Disneyland. And, and uh, you know, there's some crazy people at Disneyland. Have you noticed that? I mean, they're like, I look back and there's a guy that's got to be seven foot tall and he's got Mickey Mouse ears on that look like they were designed for a five-year-old. And I'm going, you know what? I got to dig this guy because he's got just total, I'm in it, right? And when you really get in it with God... You don't care what other people think because you're fired up about God. You're seeing the power transformation of God working in your life. Hey, now I want to jump into this, uh, this message today. We're talking uh, on this series called Echo. We're going to be talking about what happens in heaven and on earth and how we take for, on earth and we begin to manifest the presence of God. But I want, to, I want to kind of give you this thought, and I want you to jot it down, type it in your phone, whatever. What if it's not about what you think it's about? What if it's not about what you think it's about? Let me illustrate, and then you can make some applications. 
For about uh, two and a half months, we've been kind of building up excitement on this raffle for a 1963 T-Bird that we gave away last week. And the purpose of it was to get the money from that to buy a van for our student ministry. Family in our church donated the Thunderbird, which was a tremendously gracious offer to give us that so we could get a van. But what if it's not about what you think it's about? What if it's not about a van? So the day for the, the, the drawing came, and we had the family here that donated it. Uh, Mufed was here with his family, and, and they pulled the winning ticket, and it was a guy named John Meredith. And everybody got excited, and, you know, and some got disappointed because you bought a bunch of tickets and you didn't win. But John came up on the stage, and he got it, and everybody gave him a high five, and after it was all over, he drove off. But what if it's not about what you think it's about? What if it's not about him winning a Thunderbird? So let me tell you what happened. And before I do, let me back up with who is John. So about two years ago, John Meredith was diagnosed with stage four melanoma. He was given six to nine months to live. Now you can imagine the news, you've got two kids in grade school, and that's the word you get. And John really began to pray, put prayer requests on our prayer wall. We prayed for John. And John went to City of Hope, and he told the doctor there was two things he wanted to see God do before he ever started any kind of therapy of any kind. Number one, he wanted to see the total number of cells cut in half, and he wanted to see the size of the cells diminish to half their size. And the doctor kind of gave him one of those looks like, yeah, okay, I've encountered you guys before. So John went in, and the doctor probably forgot what John had told him, but he went in, and, and before they began their, the therapy, they, the, the doctor said, you know, John, this is really amazing, but you only have half the number of cells you had when you came in, and they're half the size. John said he put that before God before he tried began any treatment because he wanted the confirmation that God was beginning the work before the doctors ever began the work. Amen? So John today is cancer-free. John and, and his, his recovery is so remarkable that they're going to write his story up in a medical journal. But what if it's not about what you think it's about? What if it wasn't about a guy who went through cancer, who was healed, winning a Thunderbird. The thought occurred to me when I saw what played out after he won the Thunderbird, and Mufed was sitting here, and I was sitting next to him, and John was standing here. Now, John has just won, arguably, about a $15,000 car. And John says, don't sign the title over to me. And we're all kind of looking at John thinking, where is he going with this? He says, just keep it in your name, and I'm going to create a lease agreement, and I'm going to lease it from the church for $100 a month for a year, and next year you can auction it again. But what if it's not about what you think it's about? What if it's not about that? Of course, it's made it impossible for anybody who wins it next year to ever keep it. (laughs) Right? I mean, this is like toast. You're not going to keep that. Unless you're really selfish and then we mark you. But no, I'm just kidding. 
But what if it's not about that? Because let me tell you what happened. Let me what, what I saw. I sat there, at first I thought I was an observer, and then I realized I was an interpreter. Because I realized what I saw playing out was what I would say is at least surprise on the donor of the car, surprise everyone around, but I think more than that, as an interpreter of watching what was happening, I realized what was happening was this, that the kingdom of God was being manifest right there in our midst. Because there is nothing greater in the kingdom than giving. It's nev- the kingdom of God is never about receiving. It's always about giving. When God wanted us to understand something about his kingdom, he gave us the greatest demonstration of gift, and that was his son. And when we receive that gift, it's not just to hold on to the gift of salvation of Christ. It is to release that gift back into someone else's life so they too can release that gift back into someone else's life. We've entitled this uh, series Echo for a reason because we want to see we want to see what's in heaven here on earth. Jesus said, when you pray, Pray like this. And one of the phrases in that that model prayer in Matthew 6 was this. Thy will be done on earth as it is, in the tense of the Greek, as it is being done in heaven. The idea is we want to see what's going on in heaven manifest here on earth. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Let no one act as your judge in regard to a festival, a new moon, a Sabbath day, For these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I can look at a shadow, and I can tell you something about the object. But I can't tell you everything about the object. I can only tell you something about it. But if I'm well acquainted with the subject, then I can clearly describe the object. So in the Old Testament, there are types and shadows of Christ and of things to come. When we look at it, the more well acquainted we are with Christ, the better we're able to interpret them and understand them. In the same way, there are shadows in your life today that you look at and you, don't, you can't make sense of them because they're indiscriminate. They're, they're, they're maybe warped a bit by, the, by the, the reflection of the sun, so to speak. But if you know the object, then you can clearly interpret the shadow. What we want you to know is you can become a great interpreter of the shadows in life. You can begin to see things with the eyes of God and not just with the eyes of man. The Paul said to the Ephesians that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. So God says you have spiritual eyes. And what you need is you need those eyes to be enlightened. You need to be able to see with those eyes. So at salvation, when when you believed in Christ and the Holy Spirit came to live in you, you had spiritual eyes, so to speak. But those eyes have to be trained. They have to be enlightened so that you see the height and the width and the depth of all that God is up to in your life. So, Your eyes can be opened to see the movement 
of God in your world. And once you begin to see that movement, you're never satisfied with the movement of the world. You're only satisfied with the movement of God. You begin to see it in people's lives. You begin to see it in your circumstances. You begin to see it in everything you do. You see God working in your life, and you go, that's God. And you know what? Nothing else satisfies after that. That's the only thing that really fully satisfies. You can find happiness in other things, but joy comes in being in his presence and understanding what God is up to. Now, let me give you a few thoughts. We haven't gotten to the message yet. We're just kind of setting the stage. Amen? All right, you good with that? Okay, so here's the first thought. God's original purpose was for heaven and earth to be one. Now let's go back to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, here's Adam, here's Eve, and here's God, and they're all in the garden. They're in the garden together. Everything that Adam needed was in the garden. I mean, even God was in the garden. But Adam sinned. He fell away from God. He brought a separation between God and man. Remember where God says to him, not because he didn't know, he wanted Adam to confess it. He said, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? He said, I heard the voice and I was afraid. I heard the voice. Do you know what? When you're away from God and you hear his voice, it brings fear to your life. And so what we do sometimes is so that we think we can avoid the voice is we just say, I'm just not going to go to church for a while. That way I don't hear the voice. But the psalmist said, where shall I go from thy spirit? If I ascend into the heavens, behold, you art there. If I descend to the bottom of the earth, behold, you art there. If I go to the bottom of the ocean, behold, you art there. You cannot flee the presence of God, and you don't want to because he is a very present help in time of trouble. Though the mountains slip into the midst of the sea, there is a city whose builder and maker is God, and God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. Just be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the heavens. I will be exalted in the earth. The God of Jacob is with us. The tabernacle of the Most High is in your midst. Jesus said he walked among the seven golden candlesticks in the book of the Revelation. If you listen carefully, you can hear the train as it drove as it drags across the ground. You can see the lights begin to flicker on the candlesticks of heaven when you listen carefully and you have eyes to see. God has given to the church the authority to bring heaven to earth. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, it is the good pleasure of the Father to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, all power and authority has given unto me. Now you go, you go and do what I called you to do. You go do what I did. People say, I'd love to have been on the earth when Jesus walked. You are. He's walking right now. In fact, he said, it's going to be better if I go away, because if I go away, the manifest presence of God is going to be in all of you, and you're going to see thousands of me everywhere you go, and everywhere you go, you're going to see Jesus. If people are living out the, the Christ-like life, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see more miracles. There's going to be more miracle workers, because every one of you have been empowered from on high with power to release kingdom on earth. Amen? I mean, think about how powerful that is. I mean, that is it. Christianity is not about coming to church and finding out if it was a good sermon and it was good music and the temperature was right and you got out early. Right? That's not what it's about. It's got to be more than that. 
You see, this is all equipping time for eternity. Everything you're doing now is preparing you for your eternal assignment and your destiny in God's kingdom because this is a kingdom. With a kingdom, you have a king, and you have the king's domain is literally what a kingdom means, and you have principles of reward, and, and, and you also have principles that take away from that reward because it's all preparation for what God has for you then and there. It's not floating around like a bunch of little fat uh, angels, you know, strumming on harps. I mean, you know what? I mean, can you imagine that's my job? How boring is that? How bad am I going to look in a diaper, wings, and a heart? <laughs> Amen? I mean, God has got bigger plans than that. When God created the heavens and the earth, he looked out over the, the vast stellar blackness of eternity and he began to throw stars into the air, and he called every one of them by name. Celestial galaxies moving at inconceivable speeds across the universe. And then he all of a sudden he looked down and he said, planet Earth is a great idea. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy and I'm going to put a star up there so they'll always look up to me called the North Star, the Pole Star. And there's not a lot of stars around it because the alleyway into the Milky Way galaxy and every time you look up there, you're going to think about true north. You're going to think about direction. You're going to think about me because I've got something in store for you. Amen? I got something bigger than you could ever imagine. When we acknowledge the invisible kingdom, it becomes visible. Now, this is a deep thought. Don't let it escape you. When we acknowledge the invisible kingdom, it becomes visible. When I acknowledge God's presence, let's say in something like healing, healing manifests itself. When I acknowledge God's invisible kingdom of love, love begins to manifest itself. When I acknowledge God in me, God manifests himself in me. The unseen world has dominion over the seen world. So there's an unseen world of God, and, and it has dominion over the seen world. So when I yield to God, it brings dominion into my world in the seen. When I, the, uh, the world of darkness also has power over the seen world. If I yield to darkness, then darkness comes into my life. If I curse the ground I walk on, the ground I walk on is cursed. If I bless the land I'm walking on, the land I walk on is blessed. We begin to see God outpour his spirit in all these things. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. And this will be our text for today. It's a story about Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. You're not a Christian unless the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit can only come in you at salvation when you receive him. No man can come to the, spirit except the, to the Father except the Spirit of God draw him. Jesus said in John 14, he is with you now, he will be in you. Until he's in you, he can't lead you. He can come to you in fullness and power, calling being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That means be under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. You can, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit of God and grieve him, that is, make him cry, because you go your own way instead of his way. 
You can quench him because you see it's like a fire burning. Holy Spirit's like a fire burning in you, and you can take and pour water on it and put out the fire, and you can say, I just don't want to be fanatical about Jesus. And he says, okay, you're going to quench me then. You can grieve me, you can quench me, you can be filled with me. What do you want to do? You get to choose. You get to choose. You say, well, I, I, I want to be born again, but I don't want to be fanatical. Let me tell you, the Bible is a book of fanatics. Tell me one Christian you would ever kind of like want to write a book about or tell somebody about who was pathetic and didn't care. I got to tell you about this Christian. He's so, so wonderful. She's so wonderful. What do they do? They don't do anything for God. They're not committed. I mean, they don't sacrifice. They don't live it out. They don't go to church. They're just wonderful Christians. And you're scratching your head thinking, well, that doesn't sound like a wonderful Christian. Sound like a crummy Christian. Right? Hello? Right? Right? What you say is they're so committed. Man, I wish I had faith like them. They see miracles happen and their prayers are answered. Man, they live sacrificially and God provides for them wherever they go. And, and, and I don't know what about them, but they always have love. Bad things come to them and they rejoice. What's the deal with them? Isn't that right? Don't you want to be that kind of person? Amen? Okay, look what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, fully come, fully come. You see, when you live in the power of the Spirit, your day can fully come. Some days don't fully come. You just aren't even really living out the fullness of what God had for you for that day. It says they were all in one accord. This is the first mention of an automobile in the car, in the Bible. If those of you who have Honda Accords, this is it. You like my joke? Is it good? How many of you drove at least five miles today to get to church? P people drive miles to hear my jokes. Okay, now. And suddenly there came a sound. Suddenly there came a sound. This is the Greek word echos. It's where we get our word echo. Suddenly there was a sound. It literally means the breath of God. It's only used three times in Scripture. The breath of God came, and look what it says about it. It came from where? Heaven. Everything comes from heaven to earth and bounces back to heaven, and I'm going to show you that today. As a rushing mighty wind. It doesn't say it was a mighty wind. It says it was like one. It was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. They said, what's that sound? Years ago, we were over in Swansea in Wales, and uh, Tammy and I and our daughter, and we went to the Bible College of Wales. In 1904, there was a great Welsh revival. Over 300,000 people were saved in a period of two years. We sat down with Samuel Howes, was, who was just a boy when that happened, and he told the stories that his father recounted the great Welsh revival. He said, we were sitting there in that parlor, and, and Samuel was about 85 at the time, and he said, when the revival began down in the valley, it sounded like a freight train coming. There was a rumbling and a shaking, and we thought, what is that sound? And it was a sound of the Spirit of God moving over a nation a movement that would not only be there, but then it would spring over to continental Europe and then over to Azusa Street in, here in California for that great revival to begin there. What began there it was like the sound. It was the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, you can imagine being in that setting and how amazing that must have been. 
When we think about sound, we think about the sound of heaven. I want you to think about sound is a mechanical wave that travels at 767 miles per hour. It wasn't until 1947 that, that they broke the, the, the sound barrier. They were able to go faster than that. And sometimes you would hear these sonic booms where they were just, they were bursting in. And once they did it, once they learned the mechanics of how to break the sound barrier, they did it all day long. Watch this. Once you understand how to break into heaven, you'll do it all the time. Once you break the sound barrier, you're going to see repeatedly moving into the realm of the kingdom. And you're going to go, why? Why is it so easy now? Because you broke the barrier. The enemy wants to put the barrier up, and you're going to break the barrier down in the power of God. When, and here's what happens. When sound begins to move, if we put an object over here like a, like a bad marker. No, we put an object over here like a, okay, like a mountain. What happens is, you ever been to the mountains and you say, hello? And what does it do? Wait a minute, it goes, hello. God, that dude sounds just like me. Little delay. The delay is caused by the distance to the object. The closer you are, the faster it comes back to you. We also know that temperature affects the speed of sound. If the temperature is hot, the sound will travel faster. When I move up closer to the object, then I get the response faster than I did before. Now let's change this from a mountain and let's turn this into God and let's talk about prayer. The further I am from God in my personal walk, the greater time it takes for me to get a response. But if I will draw close to God, my response time is going to be faster, and if I'm living hot for God in the fire of the Spirit of God, guess what? I can accelerate the speed at which that prayer hits God and then bounces back to me with an answer. On earth as it is where? In heaven. When it hits me and I get the answer, I go, praise God, it bounces back, and there's an echo that is created in the process. So time Time is, uh, of its return is based on distance and temperature. Now watch this. Prayer is the language of heaven. Now hang with me on this one because this is going to get good. Prayer is the language of heaven. For prayer to take place, it must be spoken. The praying you think you're doing in your head is what the Bible calls meditation. Prayer must be spoken God, when he wanted to create the world, how did he do it? He spoke the world into existence, didn't he? When he wanted to heal someone, he spoke over them. When he said to the mountain, speak to the mountain. The Bible says that what the words of our mouth bring a reality into place, right? So when we begin to speak life over something, it brings life. When we speak death over something, it brings death to something. So, closer you are to the God, the quicker the answer. The more fired up you are for God, the better and quicker the answer. Now, let me show you something in Scripture. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. This is really cool. Can you say really cool? Everybody say really cool. That make me feel better. 
Really cool, all right? That good? Really cool. Okay, Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Look what the scripture says. We'll put up on the screen. It says that Adam heard the voice of the Lord God walking. Have you ever heard a voice walking? I've never heard a voice walking. I've heard people walking. I've heard people speak words. I've never heard a voice walking. I put up there the little word. It's, it's actually an Aramaic word. It, it's the word memra. Memra is the equivalent of the New Testament word logos, which is Jesus. What Adam heard was the manifestation, the realization of God the Son walking in the midst of the garden. The early rabbinic writers before, coming, before the coming of Christ would refer to the memra and would refer to this verse and others in the Old Testament as being the coming manifestation of God on earth. But after Christ came, they stopped referring to it because they didn't want Jewish people, to, to, to followers of Judaism, to, to follow Christ. So they stopped it. They pulled it from the rabbinic writings. But it's clearly there pre-coming of Christ. I did some research. I looked in the Jewish encyclopedia. It was even on enough to, honest enough to say that. And it talks about Memra. Now watch this. The voice walking, the voice is more than the sound. Remember, it's the manifest presence of God. Now let me just take you from Genesis to Revelation. Can we go to Revelation? How many of you want to go to Revelation? All right, I want to go to Revelation. Okay, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet. So here he is. He's in the Spirit of God. He hears a great voice described by John, and he said it was like a trumpet blowing. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. And I turned to see the voice. Have you ever looked to see the voice? No, you hear the voice. He looked to see the voice. Because the voice is the memra, the voice is God manifest there. He said, I looked to see the voice that spoke with me. He saw Jesus. All right, now, we're in Revelation. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament. How many of you want to go to the book of Exodus? Say, I want to go to Exodus. Exodus, okay, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 8. Moses is talking to God, and he says, they're not going to buy this. You're going to send me back to Pharaoh. You're going to tell me to tell Pharaoh to let me go and all my people go. We're going to leave Egypt, and we're going to go to a land flowing with milk and honey. Is that the plan? God says, that's the plan. He says, it's not going to work, God. I've known the Egyptians for quite a while. They're a little bit unreasonable. Not all of them. Pastor Alex, you're, you're not unreasonable. But um, my Egyptian brother. But... But they're unreasonable. They're not going to let us go. And he says, I'll take care of it. Don't you worry. Now, here's what God says. Look at it. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 8. If they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice, there it is, of the first sign. Remember the ten plagues, the ten signs that Moses brought? God called every one of them the voice. The voice of the sign. Look what it says here. 
the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So how many plagues came upon Egypt? little quiz. Ten. Ten plagues came upon Egypt. Which one did they finally yield to? The tenth one. So crazy was that moment in Egyptian history that God said to Moses, now that the plague, tenth plague has come, I want you to go knock on the door of every Egyptian and ask them for all their silver and all their gold and all their jewels. Now imagine this. You've just devastated their land. Now I want you to go in, and there's going to be a force of favor that's going to come upon you, and the Egyptians are going to gladly give you all the silver and all the gold that's in their household. So you can imagine You've been a slave now for hundreds of years as a people. You walk up to the door. Everybody's devastated. There's all kinds of gnats and bugs and junk and death. And I mean, it's just a mess. And goes, by the way, we're going to be leaving, but we'd like all your silver and all your gold and all your jewels. And they go, here you go. That's a force of favor. Because you see, they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And guess what? Remember we said we began this, the kingdom is never about what we get. It's always about what we give. Do you know why God had them get all the gold and silver and jewels? It wasn't so they could build great houses. You know what it's for? Everything that they collected was for the building of the tabernacle that would later be the temple of God. Where are they going to get gold? They got it from the Egyptians. You see, God always has a provision before you have a problem. God will take it from your enemies and he'll give it to you. That's how God works. He'll just take your enemies. He'll just empty the pockets of your enemies. They go, I don't even know why I'm doing this for you, but here you go. The kingdom comes in the presence of the Spirit. When the kingdom comes, it's always the presence of the Spirit. Now, now there's a verse in Isaiah 55, 11. 5511, I want to show you this because this is really, really amazing. It goes into this principle here because when... When this hits, guess what? It comes back. This is the principle we said. This is a principle of echo in Scripture. Now watch this. Isaiah 55, 11. So my word shall, go, shall be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Now slow down and hear what it's saying. We quote this all the time, you know, that God's word in the rest, the rest of the verse, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So we always focus in on, well, when God said it, it's going to always happen. Whatever God does, it's going to happen. Did you notice what it says? And you'll miss it if you're not careful. It says, but it shall not return to me a void. In other words, the word that, I spe- that God says I speak over something, it's going to come back. It's coming back. Do you realize every word you speak will come back? The Bible said you will be held accountable for every idle word you speak one day at the judgment. Oh, my goodness. Is that bad news or what? Why? Because words are powerful. They're creative dimension of God. They're, they're, God, is creating, God has created man the image of, of God, and every word you speak is a creative vehicle. It contains life, and it moves through the universe, and it never stops. And it's retrieved by God at the end of the age for evaluation. You see why God says don't slander someone, don't gossip, don't speak ill of yourself or your neighbor? Because it will come back to you and God will regather it and he will sort it out at the end of the age and he will evaluate you based on all those things. 
not exactly comforting, but it's true. Now, let's talk about the presence of God here because we're, again, you're, you're a slow listening crowd. The first crowd listened much quicker. <laughs> Listen to this thought. When you give place to his presence, his presence changes the place. You have to give God place in your life. You have to say, God, move into this part. That means you have to practice subtraction before addition. God is not going to force himself into, a, into an area where you don't give him place. When you give him place, he'll move in. Let me go through this quickly. We talk about the presence of God. We can say that God is omnipresent. That's a theological word meaning God is present everywhere at the same time. Okay? We all believe that, right? Okay, let's go on. God comes by his spirit. He lives in you. That means he is dwelling in you. He is present in your spirit. In the, his spirit is present in you by the Holy Spirit at salvation. So he is present in you. We can also say this. Jesus said when two or more of you are gathered, he is there in the midst. So there's a heightened level of his presence when two of you gather together. We can also say that the Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we begin to praise him, praise takes on a different level. The presence takes on a different level. There are times in Scripture when someone was confronted with God and they were so overwhelmed with his presence they were unable to move. In fact, even Manoah in the book of Judges said to his wife, let's go prepare to die. We've met God. Nobody can see God and live. There are times when they were so overwhelmed with the presence of God they were knocked to the ground. When you taste, when you taste of the kingdom, you hunger for more. I want to read to you, you know, the, you say, well, how do I get a hold of this? What's the presence of God and what's the manifestation of the, of, of the presence of God? It is the workings of God. When you see the works of God, you understand God. I want to read you, we, we report a lot of healings around here, right? I mean, God just is doing some crazy stuff here. I don't know if I told you this, but TBN is going to come and do a special on our prayer wall. They're going to be filming in, uh, in August, mid-August uh, because we've just seen so much happen. But let me just read you. These are two from this week. I just got these this week. Here's the first one from Valerie Stansberry. She sent me this on 615. Last summer, our next-door neighbor, Lena, was diagnosed with a large malignant brain tumor. Chemo and radiation uh, prior to Christmas resulted in no change. However, Lena has great faith. She went to see Pastor Phil. He put oil on her forehead and prayed healing over her. Her name was in place in our church prayer wall. Lena listens con constantly to an audio uh, called uh, Power to Heal, which is just a 100 healing scriptures. Daily she read large scriptures on the wall decal that we installed in her bedroom, which was Proverbs 4.21. Lena continued to do many of her daily activities like walking the neighborhood and speaking about God. Okay, now ready. Ready for this? So on 6.14, yesterday, the doctor checked Lena's scans and said, where is it? Question mark. I love it when doctors say that. Where is it? Amen? Please join us in praise to God, for he is faithful. The scripture was, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. See, it's the word and the spirit working together. I got this report from Elena. She's sitting right over here. Where are you at, Elena? Is you right here? Raise your hand, girl. Okay. She sent me this on June 20th. 
And she just entitled a little thing she sent me, Satan wants you sick, but God wants you well. Pastor Phil, on Sunday June, uh, in June uh, 2016, you asked people who wanted healing to step up to the altar and pray. You said there's someone here that wants healing, like a woman with the issue of blood. You have no idea how bad I wanted to physically run to the stage and ask for the Lord to bless me, to make his word come true for me. I look forward uh, I, I took that word like it was mine, and I claimed it. For me, this miracle healing is not mine. I want to share with you an influence church. It is yours as well. You and the church stood in the gap when I failed to believe a healing could be possible, when I was discouraged, confused, and believed the lies of the enemy that were spoken over me. Thank you for staying in the game for birthing this church. And so she sent me, I have here, three letters from Placentia Linda Hospital, two of which give abnormal reports, bad reports, dating back to 2012. This one's June 10th, 2016. It says, thank you for your recent visit. We're pleased to inform you that your examination is all normal. That's, the, that's how the kingdom manifests itself. God is committed to teaching us to see, but we must be eager to look. God is, God is committed to teaching us, but we must be eager to look. We should be eager to understand how the kingdom of God operates. You've heard me say before, I don't understand electricity, but I'm not going to sit in the dark until I figure it out. If somebody's, if somebody's moving in the realm of the spirit, if somebody's seeing somebody healed, I want to go over and just learn and listen. I mean, can you teach me something? Can I learn something from you about that? When we give you opportunities like this one coming up in August with Rietta McPherson, she was here with us two years ago. It's the most amazing story you've ever heard of heaven. I mean, it's amazing. Her son was thrown from the, from the vehicle. Two of her, both her sons were thrown from the vehicle. The one son was fine. The other son, nine or ten years old at the time, thrown from the vehicle, uh, was in a coma, pronounced dead two or three times. When he woke up as a nine or ten-year-old, God had downloaded the entire Bible into him. He has the entire Bible memorized from heaven. She tells about the encounter she had. It's, it really is amazing. If you, if you don't put that on your calendar now and you miss it, you're going to miss out. That's what I'm talking about. You have to move where you see God moving. Get in the presence of that and just let God teach you in the process. You see, our partnership was with God. When we exercise our authority, darkness is forced to vacate territory previously held. And that means whether it's in your home, whether it's a part of your life where you've given over to some darkness, then you, you exercise authority, you force it out because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, this, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. With every prayer, we increase in power and we advance the kingdom of God. When we press into the kingdom, we see the kingdom work. You have to press in. It says men take the kingdom by force in Scripture. You don't, you don't, you don't you set back idle. Have you ever heard people say, I'm waiting on God? And they've defined that as being, just being idle. I'm just going to sit in my home. That a girl, throw down that critch. Amen. What a great illustration. Being idle or waiting on God never means to be idle. Let me ask you something. If you go to a restaurant after the service and the server comes to you to wait on you and they never show up, do you consider them a good waiter? When you wait on God, it means you do everything that's in your power. You seek, you knock, 
you pound, you listen, you press into the kingdom, you refuse to quit. I refuse to quit. I refuse to doubt. I'm in, I'm on planet earth to see the manifest presence of God, to see what God can do, not see what I can do. There's some areas, I think, in some of your lives that you need to press into. You've given over to the enemy. You've just kind of resigned yourself and say, well, whatever, whatever. Don't do it. Here's a couple of life applications. When you move, he moves. When you stay idle, he'll stay idle. He's waiting for you to make the first move, and then he'll follow in. Listen. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And once you hear what he's saying, he might say something very simple like, you just need to trust me for that. Or you just need to speak life over your situation. And then act on his direction. Whatever he tells you, just do it. You say, what if I don't like what he tells me? Well, unless it's immoral or unbiblical, you should do it. I mean, he is in the business of giving revelation, right? You say, well, it's not reasonable. God is not unreasonable. He just far exceeds your ability to reason. My ways are not your ways. My ways are past finding out. If you could figure God out, then God would be the size of your brain. We'd all be in trouble. Amen? I want a God bigger than me. And I want to tap in and I want to see God move in my life and in your life. Amen? I want you to stand with me right now. I want to ask you right now, if you want to see God do something really big in your life, you want to see God do something in your life, you want to begin to move in the, in the direction that God moves, uh, you've heard me say before, and I believe it is so true, that there is power in numbers of proximity. There's something about when two or more are gathered. There's something about when two or more are next to each other, they begin to pray. Uh, when we have our prayer team in the morning at 8 o'clock and we begin to pray, there's something very powerful that happens when we go to that wall and I hear everybody's voice. There's something powerful that when I begin to engage in prayer with other believers. It's, I'm better together than I am apart. There's something that happens. There's collectively a presence that I don't really understand, but I know it's there. I know it's true. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that it is by his stripes that we are healed. Think about that truth. About him. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to have the, the band just, uh, just play through this a little bit. I'm going to ask you just, uh, you want to see God do something. You just say, you know what, I, I just want to go to the next level in my faith. I want to, want to step forward. I'm just going to ask you to come up here, and we're just going to uh, gather together. We're going to pray over one another. We're going to encourage one another. Just come out right quickly from your seats. Just come up here toward the front and, and just uh, get in tight. Get in tight. These are brothers and sisters you're going to spend eternity with. You might as well get used to them. Amen. What is it you want to see God do in you? You're not praying for anybody else right now. Let's just start with you. You want to see God do something in you, in your life. What is it would you like to see God do? If you got it, you think you got an idea of what you'd like to see God do, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up. Just slip it up and put it right back down. God bless you. Okay. So we've got some, some position where we want to go. Now, here's what we want to do. I want everyone here to pray for everyone here. 
that exactly what they're sensing God is doing in their life, what they want to see God do, would you just pray out loud right where you stand? Remember, praying is just talking to God. It's not something fancy. You don't have to put a vow and a V in there. Just, you know, God, hey, I just want to see my friend, all their dreams fulfilled. Just pray for your neighbors right now. Pray for everybody right now. Just take a moment right now. Just going to take about 30 seconds. Just pray out loud. Just pray for your neighbors. Pray for your, your family in Christ right now. Pray for the miracle of God to fall on their life. For everything they want to see realized, be realized. To see them be filled with the Spirit and living and moving in the Spirit of God in a powerful manner. See their dreams fulfilled, their families whole, their businesses prosper. For someone who needs healing, just pray for the healing right now. Just be healed in Jesus' name. Just be healed in Jesus' name. I just feel impressed that uh, you heard the story about John and the melanoma healed. And I just, I just believe that there's someone here that, that has got that diagnosis or has that problem. And right now you're carrying that burden. I just want you to know we're just going to speak life over you right now. We're just going to say, Jesus, Jesus, heal this brother or sister, whoever they may be that you might be honored and glorified, that the works of God might be manifest in the presence of your people, in the power of the Word, in the power of the Spirit. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor. You're a good God, amen? God is a good God. Let's just sing one chorus of that, Pastor Stephen, that God is good, all right? and mercy follow you all the days of your life. And may you bless those around you. And may you bless those who curse you and speak ill of you. May you just become a reservoir of blessing and may the words of your mouth, may the meditation of their heart, may they all be acceptable unto God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said what? Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you next time.